Hey listeners, it's Mary here, the editor of Host Agency Reviews. I'm here to do something that's the first ever for HAR. I'm going to issue a retraction for this episode of Travel Agent Chatter. Okay, so let me keep it short and sweet. Here's the deal. When Steph initially recorded this episode, Dale reported he made a half million in bookings the first six months his agency was open. But he got back to us a week after we published the episode and let us know that his number was misleading. His actual sales were $114,000. Phew, okay, so this is a big difference, I know. And we'd already published the episode. What to do? And so that's why I'm here. I'm trying to unding a bell. That's the official term for retraction, I think. Anyways, it's a bummer. I know. And I just want to apologize if you feel disappointed or misled by the information. I'm not going to get into the reasons, because it's personal for Dale. I just want you to know that Har wishes him and his agency well. We're going to keep the episode up, not only to document the interview, but also because it still includes some great information and tips for travel advisors. And you know what? Even though the number is wrong, over 100k in sales the first few months is still pretty dang impressive. So that's it. That's my retraction. If you have any questions, comments, you just want to chat or send a picture of your dog, you can email me at hello at hostagencyreviews.com. And now, back to your regular programming. Happy listening. Before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor. So you want to start a travel business. Great. Listening to industry podcasts such as this are a critical first step. Another critical step is partnering with a host agency committed to your growth and success, like Dugan's Travels. Agents hosted by Dugan's receive support, mentorship, and ongoing professional development for a low startup cost and no monthly fee. Visit travelathome.com TAC to learn more. listening to Travel Agent Chatter, Volume 11. This podcast is for you if you've ever wondered how to make it big as a small town agency, or if you're just in the mood to sit back and hear how a new agency went from $0 in sales in January to over half a million in sales six months later. Travel Agent Chatter is an audio series produced by the team here at Host Agency Reviews. A quick reminder that the show notes and a transcript can be found at hostagencyreviews.com TAC. We had some great reviews come in, so a big thank you to Crystal360 for her Stitcher review and Michelle A. on iTunes. Those reviews help other advisors find our podcast, so we're grateful when you not only take the time to listen to our podcast, thank you everyone, but even more so when you take the time out of your busy days to leave a review. So huggles, 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 and more huggles. Now, let's jump into the show. Well, hello, hello, little bumblebees. This is Steph Lee, the lover of all things that are cute, including little bumblebees buzzing around all summer long. And I suppose this is probably more relevant to you as a listener of the podcast. I'm also your host for today's show. Uh, Today, we've got Dale Page joining us. He's a retired trainer who opened his agency uh, just over six months ago in rural Wyoming. And his first year goal was really simple. All he wanted to do was to get a 1099 at the end of the year. For those that aren't familiar with that, that means 
he essentially wanted to make $600 off his company. But to date, he's booked over $550,000 since he opened his doors in January. So stick with me today because there's a lot of exciting stuff to go through, um, including what you should know before moving host agencies, how Dale aims to grow big in a small town, and why he threw his first niche out the window when another one landed on his lap. Uh, A quick note that today's podcast is also being produced in video form, so if you want to see our cute little faces, you can visit hostagencyreviews.com slash TAC, click on volume 11, and there you'll find the audio, video, transcripts, and show notes all in one handy place. All right, so for today's schedule, we're going to be breaking it down into five segments. The first is beginnings, second is small town agencies, third is finding leads, Um, And the fourth is switching hosts, and then we'll wrap it up with our warm, fuzzy segment. So let's not waste another moment further. Let's bring in today's guest. Dale, welcome to Travel Agent Chatter. Hi, Steph. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. It is. Those of you that are listening, you don't know this, but Dale and I have tried this numerous times, and I was having a lot of internet problems, so he's been very patient that we've, this is the furthest we've actually gotten so far, so fingers crossed it works. (laughs) Um, so I had done a poll a while ago on Facebook asking people what they would be interested in for topics um, for upcoming podcasts. So one thing that came up was people wanted to hear from an agent that just was out of the gates running, has done really, really well. And Dale's been in the industry six months and has an enviable amount of sales under his belt already. Uh, so he definitely fits that bill. To give everyone a little bit of an idea about your journey so far, Dale, can you walk us through the timeline of when you first opened your agency, when you made your first sale, um, and then when you opened your storefront? Sure. Uh, this agency was founded on, uh, in December, toward the end, I believe it was December 28th mm-hmm. of 2018. I did some minor Facebook advertising and we opened our storefront on February 7th. We actually made our first sale within a week of having opened, uh, of having gotten our our LLC and all that. By our, I mean my partner and I, and we ended up booking, it was supposed to be a Hawaii trip. We ended up booking a rental car, which was with six. And I was so excited. It was going to be my very first commission. It was going to be $38. And with six, you had to call it in. I called it in. I spoke to the agent and the agent said, Oh, sure. I've got a great rate rate for the travel industry, and it's commissionable. Well, it was a great rate for my client, but it was not commissionable. So I, I, did, I made exactly zero on my first sale. We opened up our, our agency then on February 7th was our grand opening. We did some print advertising for that. We did a lot of Google advertising on, with Google AdWords. And we had decent sales that first month then. We, I, we decided to start focusing on group cruises, and we basically expanded since then. And I well, let's there- let's back up really quick because I think when you're talking about your first sale with the the rental car, where the commission was already pretty small, but then yeah. when you don't get any, that makes it even less. Mm-hmm. But I I think that's great because I I I want to be a realist about this because there's all these you know rags to riches story of people mm-hmm. that their agencies take off and yours definitely has but that it's there's stumbles along the way that nothing ever goes as planned you've made errors along the way um but and we also have to look at it's not the only mistake i've made i also had a 
had a rent had a airfare that I consolidated airfare that I had booked that I thought I was going to make about $250 on that my commission check was a big 94 cents for because I forgot to put in a change fee. Uh. You make, you're gonna, everybody's going to make mistakes. But if you let that mistake define how your agency is run, then your agency is just going to be a mistake. I took the I took the uh, viewpoint of this is just this is just a ridiculous thing that I've done, and hey, let's move on and do something better. Yes, I everybody has made ridiculous mistakes when they start out, no matter what industry they're in. So, um, when you started, you were specializing in national parks, but now you moved to specializing in group cruises. Were you and yeah, I think I might have this number wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong. But you currently have 15 Alaska group cruises on the books, right? Is that right? For 2020. Yes. yes. Okay. So 15 with 15 with Holland America, and and uh, I believe we also have no, those sorry, just 15 with Holland America. The two princes are Caribbean, so I okay. Thought, I thought I had a princess one on on the books too, but I don't. Gotcha. And then, so what realizations led you to switch? switch your niche because I, I think for a lot of people um, there's when you're researching before you get into the industry and then there's when you actually get into it it's kind of like when you go to college and then you come out of it and you're supposed to you're like this isn't what the real world is like what they taught me in school mm -hmm. so what what realizations did you have that led you to change over to group cruises was there any impetus it's it started I believe with two things so first of all Someone from my first host agency told me it's as easy to sell eight cruises as it is to sell one. And then I also uh, had a an old elderly lady that called in that wanted an inexpensive cruise, and uh, I told her jokingly, "If you give, can get me sixteen cabins, I'll have you a nice. I I can get you to sail for much less." And I was supposed to call her back at the end of the month. That was like fourteen days, excuse me, twenty one days away. Seven days later, she gives me a call, and she has 16 people already on her list to go. And then she, I said, well, that's – unfortunately, these to be 16 cabins of double occupancy. So three days later, she called me with that. That was my very first cruise. I thought, hey, I can do this. Let's go ahead and see what we can do. So I started doing spec cruises, and I was advertising them on Google, and that's how I got them – that's how I got them filled. Mm -hmm. well, that's fantastic. Uh Let's and, and for those that are listening, if you're struggling with trying to find a niche, um, do know that they do evolve over time. And I'll also put a link in the show notes to our article on um, how to find a niche if you want a little bit more hand-holding through that. So let's change directions for a second and talk about what it's like to be an agency in a small town. Because uh, I think there's, there's a lot of financial benefits to living in a rural area, mainly the cheaper cost of living. Um, but then there's the drawback that you're working with a really small local client base. So right now, um, in the town where your Grable's storefront is, how many people are in the town? Basin has about four, slightly less than 1,400, a little more than 1,300 people. And the town that we live in, which is seven miles away, Grable has about 1,800. I looked at the signs yesterday and said, I'm gonna write these down. I forgot to write down how many they were. But it's a very small town and the county that we're in in Wyoming which is exceptionally large in size, only has about a total of 5,000 people. You move the two surrounding counties, and we've probably got a full total of people that I can draw in for of about 25,000. Yeah, so, so let me ask you this. Do you feel like, 
Um, do you feel like you need to be a generalist because you're set up in a small town? I mean, do you have to be, are you able to be picky and say, I can't, I only specialize in this? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I cannot be picky like that. Nor do I think, given the way I feel about, I feel that profit follows service, I don't feel that I could, I personally can't do that because what will happen is I will start turning clients either over to another agency or I'll be turning clients into self-bookers. Every time, I feel that every time I allow someone to book something on their own, I've given them permission to book everything on their own. So for listeners that are facing the challenge of living in a smaller town, what type of local advertising have you tried? What's worked and what hasn't? What's what hasn't worked is we tried our local buyer, we tried our local buyer's guide. It's the local advertising paper. We got one response out of that completely. But what has worked for us is we put up flyers of laundromat, which I happen to share space with. Uh-huh. Uh huh. At um, bulletin boards, we've also uh, locally we've went to we've gone to shows like we went to craft shows and we show up there with brochures and. We run a raffle and things like that just to get names in, and that's how we build our local business. Now, not much of our business is local because there isn't a lot of local business to be had. The other thing that we've kind of ended up having to do as well is bus service re- began again in our town, and when we got the bus service, we are the ticketing agent for the bus service. Mm-hmm. So that's also brought traffic in and will eventually evolve into some more local sales. So building the relationships by providing bus ticketing, which is something yeah. that everybody in the local area is using. Yes, exactly. We're we're once again, I'm using the business model of profit follow a profit following service. So I mm-hmm. believe that good customer service will always be profitable as long as you sell and service from your heart, not from your pocket. Did you also do something with the rodeo recently? I, I thought you had mentioned something about that for advertising. We have, we have, we have advertised with we've advertised with rodeos and things like that. So yeah, we we are looking to be, and we haven't we haven't quite gotten to the point yet. We're looking to do to do buckle sponsorship. We're also looking to do shoot sponsorship at the at the at the fall rodeo. But we did do, did advertise the rodeo flyers, and we show up there. We're with we we just show up every place, you know. Mm-hmm. We show up at the at the Lilac Days. I was one of the uh, presenters. I presented Business of the Year, which unfortunately didn't go to me. But after, <laughs> yet, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I. You know, I it probably will eventually. But I, you know, it's nice just to be part of the community. We have to be part of the community. That's the only way in a small town you will succeed is to be part of the community. It is. It is true. I grew up in a small town, and mm-hmm. it. Um, like it's important for the businesses to be involved and, and to be consistent too, to not just say, well, I tried running mm-hmm. an ad in the newspaper for mm-hmm. one day. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. But, and you can't, you have, we have to do some print ad. We can't focus on the local community, but we really think that being a part of the, and I keep saying we, because I'm talking about uh, my husband and I run this business together, so he's he's sitting over here looking at me, and I keep saying we because it is a joint effort. I happen to be the one that does do mo- does most of the sales, but it, it we have to be a part of the community because if we aren't seen in the community, we don't exist. For example, we took, we changed our vet to, today, took our dog to the vet, and the vet actually 
knew who we were because we are involved in the community. She said, oh yeah, yeah, I know who you guys are. You are the travel agency just down the road. Yeah. So it, it's those are the kind of things that you're that's going to help you build your business if you're in a small town. Well, you you also um, did some interesting because you're. I imagine Wyoming is very similar to Minnesota, and like mm -hmm. Minnesota people, there are people that cruise, but mm -hmm. we're not really close to any ports, and so it doesn't. The price point doesn't work for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, the way it does on the coast. So mm -hmm. cruising isn't huge, but you did something interesting at one of your first events. You were at the craft show mm -hmm. and you polled um, people. And yeah, tell us more about that. Cause that was, really I, what, well, we did, we did a, I, I forgot about, I forgot. I, I completely forgot about how we got to Alaska with that one. Uh, what happened was we uh, did a, we did a drawing and the last thing on the sheet was, what is your fate? What is your dream vacation? Almost 85% of the people answered Alaska. And it was surprising, yet it wasn't. Because it's Wyoming is rugged individualism mm -hmm. and Alaska is rugged individualism. And that's where, so all of a sudden, let's say, okay, let's do a group cruise for Alaska. And it sold. So we did another one. And all of a sudden, we have one for every every week in. August of next year, and then we just decided to expand out, and it's just worked out perfectly. Now, are all those locals? Of course not, but few of them are. It'd be it'd be your whole town if they were all locals. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this because it's kind of a perfect segue into the next section, which is kind of the different avenues you've experimented with to bring in leads, which you talked about a little about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I really like about how you've approached your business is you're very much trying all these different avenues to see mm -hmm. what is working for you. Um, so you have, let's see, 200,000, and I have the numbers wrong, let me know, but I think it's $200,000 on the books that are traveling this year, and then another 300,000 on the books for travel through 2020 so far. Right, exactly. Okay, so clearly there's a really strong desire for Alaska group cruises from the locals, but you've also mm -hmm. tried Google ads, Facebook ads, Cruise Compete, Thumbtack, um, to reach the audiences outside of Basin. And, and mm -hmm. I want to hear more about those. So uh, let's start with Cruise Compete. And for those that don't know, it's a mark, it's an online marketplace where agencies can compete for cruise bookings, essentially. We'll link to it mm -hmm. in the show notes. But um, Dale, how has that avenue worked for you? That one's not been the greatest for us, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. One, you're there. You're competing strictly on price. You're competing out of, out of your pocket. And while you can get bookings from it, they're not going to be very profitable. We have had a few there. We do advertise our group cruises, and most of the most of the inquiries that we get on cruise compete are actually directly from our advertising for our group cruise. When you're advertising on cruise compete for your groups, mm -hmm. that it's probably a lot more. It's a lot better to do that than to just try to compete on I want to cruise from point A to point B because with the groups you have a lot more mm -hmm. unique portions to it that make you stand out. Is that correct? That not not only that, but you also have a little bit of more leeway with your tour conductor credits and and your commission structure that you can price point better with those than you can with just at cruise compete. For example, I can't we can't really very well compete very well with the large agencies that are that can afford to make 
$30 off of each cruise. We have to make a little bit more to keep our doors open. So we can't compete with those. So we're having our competition has been more on, we'll give you, we'll give you $100 off your cruise. And then we'll also give you a hundred dollar credit toward your next cruise if you book with us again. So we're not, uh, that's not our most successful, excuse me, that's not our most successful place that we'll be competing. Okay. And then with Facebook ads, was that successful for you? What were you putting uh, on the ads? You really don't want to know about how bad Facebook ads were for me. <laughs> not so good. I, I spent, uh, we spent close to a thousand dollars and got, uh, got a rental car that we didn't get any commission on. <laughs> was that your first booking, the rental car booking? Yep. <laughs> That's really funny. It was supposed to, and it was, and here's another thing that I learned from that was you really need to know how to sell what you're selling because I couldn't price match, couldn't price match quickly enough on a, on a condo in Hawaii. So I didn't get the whole booking. All I got was the, was the face was, was the rental car. So I could have gotten the whole booking had I known how to price match at that point in time. But I didn't. I hadn't mm -hmm. had enough time in the industry to do so. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So Facebook, Facebook is not a winner for you. But um, what about Thumbtack? Uh, Thumbtack's wonderful. Okay. You be careful about it. Okay. So tell. Why don't you explain what it is for those listening that don't know it, and then kind of tell us about some of the successes. Okay. Thumbtack is a service that matches providers to. Uh, clientele. It's mainly used for, was started to be used for people that were doing needed construction work. They branched out to travel agents. They, you put, you put your, you put yourself up there and then people contact you. And also you can see a list of clients uh, that are looking for, it, and then you can also send them bids as well. That's how it works. You pay anywhere from 10 to $25 depending on how complicated and how expensive the job is to thumbtack for that lead. Mm -hmm. It generates quite a few leads. The first recommendation for anyone that wants to use it I'm going to make is do not put up there that you do airfare because you'll be paying $22 for leads that are for just for airfare only. We learned this quickly and had to change it very, very quickly right, right along. But you can get great leads. I've gotten leads for South Africa trips that I've booked. I booked trips for my my best client that I have, who has been a repeat booker already four times since he since he came on board with us. Came from Thumbtack, and it was actually an airfare only that I that I brought on. And he's been he's been my best consistent client. And that Thumbtack works, but you have to be very careful about how you work it because you could easily spend hundreds of dollars for nothing in one day alone. And it, that's why I say, don't put airfare on there. Don't say that, you, that you're looking for airfare bookings because the, you will get people looking to, I've got a $179 quote round trip to Orlando. Can you beat that? Oh, wow. Okay, that's you not helpful. You for that. Yeah. So you, you don't even get to like look at the lead and accept it. They just send it to you. If once you, if, if that lead chooses your agency, mm -hmm. that is considered a warm lead and you pay for that warm lead. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Um, so you've, you've also tried Google ads and historically you spent between three and $500 a month or so. Um, 
How are you targeting those ads and which ones have been most successful for you? We're targeting them demographically and also by keyword. The ones that are most successful are the ones that we figured out were best matches for what we were doing. We, we've, for example, with Alaska Cruises, we're, we're targeting, tend to be targeting males that are looking for adventure, hunters, uh, environmental, environmentally conscious, and we're also looking at targeting location. Uh, those are the keywords that we're looking at. We're also looking at targeting people that are looking for higher end cruises rather than the low ends because the lower ends because we're working mainly with uh premium premium lines we're not working with the with the mass markets as much anymore uh, unless we absolutely have to mm -hmm. i answer your question or did i kind of get a little sidetracked there along the way no i think um i think we got a good idea of the targeting uh have there any been any ad campaigns that have been especially successful for you like doing uh, a river cruise or we had one that was very successful that we targeted basically the demographics were women that were that and it was a river cruise it was women women and it was i targeted the top 100 the top 100 zip codes it also led to some interesting responses as well that got us a lot of but it also got us some weird ones because you end up appearing in the search when somebody's searching for uh a river cruise, a, a Rhine River cruise on Avalon. I got a call from uh, from Honduras from a lady that thought I was Avalon Cruises, and she was looking for her tax information. So oh. you can see calls along the way with those too. But also remember that advertising will cost you money, and don't be afraid to say this ain't working because there's no use there's no use throwing throwing spaghetti at the wall that you know that's undercooked and won't stick. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, so I saved the best for last because I, I think this clearly demonstrates the power of finding when you're talking about trying things out, but finding yeah. the right channel for your audience and how effective it can be. Because mm -hmm. most of your groups are under 16 passengers, but you have a group sailing in August of 2020 that currently has 46 passengers. Um, uh, 46 so two, cabins. 46 cabins. Oh, wow. Uh, even more than that. So two questions. Do you expect more people to be added? And then how did this group come together? I'm not sure. I, if you had asked me yesterday if I expected more cabins to be added, I would have said no, because I had cut the advertising off on it. Oh, however, interesting. However, uh, and we'll talk about that in the next session, because that I've cut advertising off right now because of my transition from host agency to host agency. But... Uh, a friend of mine who's going on that bear cruise, that is, there's gay men that are bears, are larger, hairier. Bears. Yeah. He's <laughs> going on that. Uh, just got me leads for another group of people that want to join that, which may also include a wedding party. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, that would be, uh, would actually be a heterosexual wedding party who all of the bride's attendants are bears. That's adorable. <laughs> I, know, I thought so too. So that was, that was a shock for, that was a shock for me. So yeah, yeah, I do anticipate it, but that's how it came out. I just said, okay, I'm Rick and I are going on this cruise. We're hosting it. 
And I said, okay, we'll just do this one for bears. And then all of a sudden I, I started advertising on some very bear specific and gay specific apps, uh, particularly dating apps. And mm -hmm. that's what, that's what led to that one getting so many people coming on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clearly an avenue that has worked really well that you're, mm -hmm. and that you're still getting people possibly wanting to have more cabins, but you're like, mm -hmm. wait, I wasn't expecting that. Yes. Well, and, and this just fell into my lap. This was not something that I fully expected. And I really have to thank, if he happens to be listening to it, give a shout out to Mark Reed for, for, for finding these people for me. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff. Let's, let's move on to a recent challenge that you've run across. And it's one of those, man, I wish someone would have told me this on day one. I would have done things so differently types of things. Um, so you're currently in the process of moving host agencies, yes. which is something that is not uncommon. A lot of agencies will experience this sometime in their life. So yeah, how's it going? If I use the word interesting, would you understand what I meant? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm going to explain the interesting, but I, uh, I thought it would be just, okay, I'll just pick everything up and, and transfer it over. And it'll be great because these are all groups and I could just move the whole group over. I didn't find out that I didn't learn until after I was already in the process of it, that groups belong to the agency, not to the agent. So I was unable to move all my groups. So I'm now basically stuck living in two, two agencies until my, till my last group that I have with that, that I, that I had bookings on sales in February of next year, I've been able to move everything over, but I can't move two groups over and they, I'm stuck living in both agencies or turning over a significant amount of revenue to, to another agent. And I kind of, I kind of like making money for what I've done. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> well, okay. So when you were, when you're leaving your host agency, like what are things you would recommend if people are thinking about switching that they can do ahead of time to kind of prep? Um, yeah, to make sure it goes smoothly. Reach out to your BDMs and to uh, the sales departments of every place that you have something booked. Find out if it's going to be moving, movable and what it is, whether it is or is not movable. Also, don't make the decision lightly. Don't. And when you leave, and this I think is very, very important. When you leave, leave on good terms and remain on good terms. Because you, for example, if I had, I really was happy with OA, I just, outside agents, I just wasn't getting what I needed. And I needed to move someplace smaller because I have some unique challenges that I need more support from than a mega agency can give me. I. Anyone out there that's thinking about uh, outside agents, I strongly recommend them for you. Dest I'm with Destination with Characters now, which is a small agency. I believe they only have like 25 of us. I'm the first actual LLC to come into them rather than an individual. And so I'm the first one that's not branded as Destinations with Characters. I'm branded still as Grey Bull Travel, a Destinations with Characters affiliate. But don't badmouth your old agency. You don't know what you're going to have to do with them. And secondly, they gave you your start in this business or they supported you for so long. I think the other thing that's important to recognize about the industry is it's really, really small. 
remember that you will be running across these people likely in, in different areas of the travel industry. I mean, that's something I've learned through the okay. years and constantly learn that. I'm going to jump back around again and say, sure. so you, you, you're doing a lot of speculative groups um, mm -hmm. right now. Is that kind of the niche you see yourself specializing in or are you doing groups in general? Why are you leaning more towards speculative groups versus um, uh, affinity groups? I started with speculative groups because that's all I could find. I, I didn't have the Pied Pipers, that is the people that would lead into my groups. I'm now starting to build that network and I will start looking for those rather than, <laughs> they may be semi-speculative. For example, one of the things I'm looking for right now, and if anybody out there is watching that is not a travel agent, but would like to, uh, uh, I'm looking for someone to host a cruise to the Galapagos. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for a naturalist or a biologist or something like that that has that I'd love to have host that that would be partially speculative, and I would hope that that person could bring some in. That's the that's where I'm trying to evolve to step. But I will always have speculative groups on the books. Okay. Um, with your because when we were talking, you had mentioned that some advice for a new agent was um, some advice for people that are new to the industry was to you know, don't be afraid to ask for the sale and that you ask everybody in your client oh, base, yeah. like, where do you want to go? Where would you want to lead a trip to? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that. I, I didn't I didn't realize where we were going with that question, Steph. I apologize. Oh, I wasn't going anywhere with it. I, oh, this is just okay. a second yes, question. I do. I do. I ask everybody, where do you want to go? Do you know anybody else that wants to go there? Let's go ahead and set the group up. The worst that's going to happen is you're going to get your reservation and you're going to pay for it. If if I happen to book sixteen rooms for that, I'll give you the I'll give you the tour conductor credits. Unless of course I want to travel on that cruise, then then, <laughs> then, then you're out of luck. No, no, I'm not that way. No, I actually, I and sometimes it works. A lot of times it doesn't. But hey, I have a friend here in town that that's taking Panama cruise for port taxes because he decided that he would. He, I said. Hey, you bring me some business, I'll do that for you. You've had a really good start. What's kind of your goal for 2020 and what's your vision for your agency going forward? 2020, I want to do a million, I want to close a million dollars. Mm. Now, will I? I'm not sure I will. My goal with my agency is to keep going forward. I want to get to a point where I'm not spending as much money as I am on advertising and I'm still keeping that business in. And I'm, and those are my two goals. And for 2021, I really would actually, I take that back. My goal for 2020 is to do half a million. My goal for 2021 is to do a million. I have to keep my, my numbers straight here. <laughs> and, uh, so that's what I'm looking at Steph. It's, it's, I just want to be, I don't want to be the biggest agency in the world. I don't really want to have, if you saw how small my space was, I can't put four more agents in here. I can't put another agent in here. I can barely put the two of us in here. <laughs> I just want to be, I want to be an agent. I guess financially, I want to be very, I want to, that's what I want. I think emotionally, I just want to be happy at what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I am right now. Like you want to have a successful lifestyle business that, you know, it has a good work-life balance and you like what you do, but it's also bringing in money. Yes, uh, and I will also warn anyone. I did. I started out this at full time. I don't think you can be this successful unless you start out 
full-time. So if you're starting out part-time, you may need to take a little more time to build, build your business in. And the other thing I was going to say just went completely out of my mind because, you know, I well, <laughs> let me let me ask you another question while you're thinking sure. on it. So um, what kind of continuing education would you recommend for people looking to learn groups? How did you um, learn how to do speculative groups? And besides that, you just got this random phone call and it yeah. kind of fell into your life. But how did you expand on that and learn it? Um, I took the I, I looked at what cruise lines that I wanted to use. I took I took those. And I did their full training. Mm -hmm. I the next thing, and so I and then the next thing I did was I looked at general sales videos and sales training like that. And the and those are the two things I think that made it the most successful for me. There's probably a third or fourth one floating somewhere in my brain that I can't pull out right now because as you can see I'm a really young guy that doesn't have any memory issues whatsoever. <laughs> Did, no, I, so have you used any online communities at all um, as a way for? No, yes, I have. Thank you so much for that. I, the first thing that I did that really, I did, I got into a travel agents group, but I got into every cruise lines, uh, cruise lines fan groups and their sailing groups. And I watched their, watched what questions they had. So that I know how to answer this. For example, uh, one of the ones that comes up a lot on all, particularly in the mass market is about the drink package and the gratuities. I figure I'm going to get those questions. I know how to answer them. Also, you get, I'm getting a lot, I get a lot of questions on those. There are a lot of questions on those about what, what are the must-sees, what are the must-dos in ports. So I'm making sure that I know the answers to those. For example, I know what you want to do when you get to Sitka at each budget point. I know what you want to do when you get to Juno at several different budget points. I don't know quite all of them yet. And you, and that I think makes me an ex a resource. You can do it if you're an expert at it. And even if, and one of the things when I was a trainer that I taught everyone that I ever trained to train was, do you know one thing that you're, that the person that's sitting across from you doesn't know? And they can always say yes. And I said, that makes you the expert. You have to, even if you don't know it, you have to come off as if you're the expert. And once you've done that, then you can say, hey, well, I haven't heard that question in a while, or somebody hasn't asked me that before, but I'll have an answer for you as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And then once again, use those resources online. But like I'm telling you, you can always find in the groups because they're going to ask the same questions over and over again. Let's move into the the final segment, which is, is technically called the warm fuzzy segment. But I think another description for the segment is, is the segment you want to listen to when you're feeling burnt out about the job. Um, because there's a lot of, I think it's easy to overlook uh, some of the joys of working in the travel industry for the things you get to do for your clients or that they do for you. Um, so we always ask our guests to share with us something they've done or that their clients have done that made the world a little bit brighter. So Dale, what have you got for us today to fill up our little cups of happiness? I had, I worked with this, with this lady from Indianapolis on a cruise for her family, which ultimately fell through, but she booked another cruise with me for just, not for her extended family, but just for her family. 
And in the course of talking, touring, qualifying her, I found out that her middle child is autistic and where he was on the spectrum. And I immediately called, uh, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of what's called, what the department's called. It's their, it's their services for the accessibility services. And I explained to them that this, this is what I got, what can we do to make sure we got her, her early boarding, we got her quiet areas, we got her on to tenders that will take good care of her. We make sure that, that there's not going to be an issue where her, where her child will break down. Next, and then a couple days later, she'd been following along on Facebook groups. She gives me a call and says, "Hey, uh, I just found out that that they offer this. Can you do this for me?" And I looked at her and said, "I did that the day we, the day I booked your cruise. I just wanted, to, I just so because that's what that's what I knew you needed." And the other thing I had done when I first talked to her was I said, "Okay, you're sailing on Carnival right now." Royal Royal Caribbean going forward, maybe we'll want to look at them with you because they are their their staff is autistic trained and they do offer the the for example if your child is is eleven but functioning at a five or six year old they will allow them to go into the five or six year old group so I and she and that's what I did and it just made me feel good that I had anticipated her need and it made her feel good that she had somebody looking out for her and her child's interest. Yeah, I'm sure she was really impressed with the fact that you'd gone ahead and done that without her even and, and having you, to ask. And the thing about it is, Steph, is I didn't think it was anything special. I thought it was what any good travel agent would do for their client. You, it definitely is a good travel agent doing this for their client. So, um, Well, we've wrapped up another episode of TAC. So if you've somehow found this podcast but actually haven't checked out hostagencyreviews.com, that's the site that produces this podcast, make sure to stop on by. Uh, we have an events calendar that's filled with 90-plus conferences, webinars, ship inspections, FAMs, trade shows um, that will just have you drooling. There's tons of information on there. And if you have an event that you want to list up there, drop us a line at hello at hostagencyreviews.com. All basic event listings are free. Well, Dale, thank you so much for joining us today and for bearing with it, um, all the internet connectivity problems I was having earlier. I, it's, it was a pleasure, Steph. And once again, we can't help what happens with the internet. <laughs> well, and thank you to all of our lovely listeners. Uh, we're so appreciative of you taking the time today to listen. You can read a transcript and watch the video of today's episode by visiting hostagencyreviews.com slash TAC and clicking on episode 11. Hard dabbles in a lot of things, so if you're new to us but are liking what we're doing with the podcast, why don't you come on over and join us for our monthly newsletter? I don't want to peer pressure you, but more than 22,000 other travel pros have already signed up. And don't you think today is just the perfect day for you to sign up too? Never miss another hard resource by subscribing at hostagencyreviews.com slash newsletter. And last but certainly not least... If you'd be a great guest for a future TAC episode, don't be shy. We're always looking for new ideas and new voices. Pitch me your story at steph at hostagencyreviews.com.